You know what the people of Westeros really don't want? Mm. Crabs. Dum dum dum. Dum 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 dum. Dum dum. Okay, so All right, so House of the Dragon episode three. We were late on episode two. In fact, we didn't even get to uploading it. We've been very busy, but we did get around to seeing it eventually, and uh, we're gonna sit down and talk about it. We haven't talked about it ourselves before hitting record, so this is gonna be totally awkward, totally all over the place. Not in any sort of chronological order, but we're gonna talk about the things we like, things we don't, right? And uh, joining me today is my beautiful wife, Eleanor. Hello, your local comedian here today. And this will be a spoiler conversation. And just so everybody knows, just getting it out of the way, we all have different opinions, me and Eleanor included, and we're not going to fight about it because that's just toxic. You know, we can all be friends and all be adults and just agree to disagree. Right. So please keep it classy in the comments like you people do. Just be very cool. Be you. Be you. All right. So when... This episode started, I was already excited because last episode it was just like crab person, dun dun dun. When he turned around, I'm like, oh no, this is going to get bad. And then I realized that we had a time jump. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I honestly didn't think we'd actually even see the crab people this early because when in the first episode, it was just a small little throwaway line during one of the council meetings. And so I thought, Okay, that's going to be something like the pirates were in Game of Thrones, where right. they were very, very minor. They were just showing up every now and then. You know, Davos was probably the most favorite pirate. Was he a pirate or was yeah, he just a smuggler? Yeah, he was a pirate. He was a no, he's a smuggler. Yeah, he yeah, was a smuggler. So we saw pirates like once, so I figured, eh, it's probably no big deal. But then when we saw him in the second episode, I was like, or heard about him, I was like, okay, that's our big bad for this season. And Damon's gonna be Damon's gonna be, you know, one of the kind of anti-hero villains, you know, kind of a Jamie Lannister maybe person. Right, exactly. Not so. Yeah, yeah, no. That this episode turned everything up on its ass. A little bit, I'd say. Uh I was not expecting the Crab King to meet his defeat so uh off screen like as well. But I will say what Damon did with him was pretty epic. Yeah, just dragging his ass out. Well, not his ass, just like a quarter of him. <laughs> yeah, I don't Literally think he... a quarter of him. Yeah, he didn't have his ass anymore. But if I was going to name just a little nitpick, I think the stags overall, something about the CGI with the stags to me just felt a little off. But I, I will agree. say, I will say that being said, that their usage of the stags was... It was a stag, right? Yeah, it was two stags. There was a white one, which showed itself for Rhaenyra, but they were wanting it to show itself for the young Prince Aegon. And then the brown stag was the one that they found for Prince Aegon, and you could see that the king was visibly disappointed, and it made him really wonder, like, should I really make my son the true heir? Like, it doesn't seem like the gods are leaning that way. And then when we saw the white stag appear for Rhaenyra, it's like, obviously, we know who is supposed to be the queen and you know it's funny that scene where he was he failed to kill the stag with the first blow and then got him with the second blow after getting some direction it reminded me of way back i believe in season two of game of thrones where theon is sent 
by Rob to go back to the Iron Islands to meet his father, basically, and to see if the Iron Fleet and the Iron Island soldiers would help Rob with his quest against the Lannisters. And when Theon turns, he goes turn cloak and ends up executing a guy in the middle of Winterfell with his sword, it takes like four or five shots to actually... Yeah, because it's so dull. I remember that. Yeah, and because he's, you know, he's not the most skilled with a sword at the time. He's more of an archer. He is skilled with a sword, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like Rob cutting off someone's head. Or Ned, where in episode one it was like, those who pass the judgment make it happen. And you know, he could you could tell he was definitely disappointed it wasn't the stag that he was wanting. Um, but back on the CGI, I think the way they used the stags where it wasn't like super long eye-to-eye contact or, you know, a still shot of zooming in on this CGI animal's face because that's when it really, really stands out and when it was moving. So a lot of the time it wasn't moving a whole lot. I don't know why. The Maybe boar just... looked a little off to me too. I didn't think the boar looked too bad. I th- I thought it looked a little something about it maybe just the way it was moving at times but i thought the design looked good but the overall effect of the stag to me just looked off but the dragons i thought looked great oh the, the dragons battles look looked great the fire was awesome the music is so good this entire cast is really growing on me that was the one thing i was worried about going into this show was first of all was it going to be good because if the first episode is not good and i'm not saying everybody liked it of course not But if the first episode's not good, and that's coming off the tail end of season eight, where a lot of people didn't like it, then Game of Thrones is going to quickly sputter out. But a lot of people are ranting and raving about this show. It's one of the best shows running right now. On air, anyways. Right. This week, you know. Episodes that came out on television this week, I would say this is up there. At least top ten. And I think it's been a huge success for them. Granted, the rest of the season might suck. Season two might suck. We'll wait and see. But it's got a lot of things going for it. And this cast, who I was pretty unfamiliar with for the most part, have really came into their roles. My favorite that going into this show I knew was going to be Otto Hightower simply for Rise of Fonz. But uh, unfortunately, he's not necessarily the hero of this story. He seems like he's going to be more of a little finger. And uh, I really... I was getting that vibe, yeah. He's definitely got schemes and plotting and all sorts of stuff giving his daughter away. But now she's the queen and she's not under his thumb. So if he goes out of line, she could execute him in theory, right? I mean, he is the right. hand of the king, but so maybe not. But he seems to still be manipulating her because he's like, he is the no, hand of the king. You, he's like, no, your son needs to be the heir to the Iron Throne. Like, you need to convince King Viserys that that's how it's supposed to be. And I feel like she's getting manipulated by her dad still. And I feel like the entire relationship with the king of her being pushed into it was because of her dad and his manipulation. So I feel really bad for her because I feel like Alicent is in a rock and a hard place. She's having to be married to the king, which I don't think she really wanted to be originally. I don't think she wanted to have his children. I don't think she wanted to be forced into that role. So I think that, honestly, it's probably mostly Otto Hightower that is calling the shots in her life. And she just feels too mousy to do anything about it because she's not like Rhaenyra where she's like, I don't give a shit if I'm a girl. I'm telling you I don't want to do this and I'm not going to do it. 
Allison more follows tradition and seems to understand in her time, at least, that that was a woman's place, whereas Rhaenyra wants to break the wheel, kind of, in a way. Granted, we haven't seen the trailer for next week's episode, so for all we know in the trailer, it shows Allison standing up to her dad. And, you know, every episode seems like it's going further in the future. So we're going to see her mature. We're going to see her get a backbone, and I think we're going to see it pretty quick. And we're going to find out just how bad of not only a father, but a person Otto Hightower just might be. Right. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Though when I saw Alicent really heavy pregnant, I felt for that girl so hard. Like, watching her waddle around that set, I'm like, ooh, girl, I am so sorry. I feel ya. And if it's a boy, you know, someone could go and assassinate Aegon if they don't want Aegon to be in secession and then blame it on Rhaenyra. I don't know. I'm just totally speculating here. Right. I do think that it's filling in some questions for me when the first Aegon... Or no, sorry, Balon died. Sorry, the names are intense. <laughs> Trying to get them right. We're I'm trying doing to keep a lot of people straight I'm doing here. My best. When when Balon passed and Rhaenyra was made heir, we knew from Game of Thrones that there had never been a queen on the Iron Throne, at least not written down, not noted in history. Maybe they erased it, but as far as we know, there had never been a queen, so we knew Rhaenyra was never going to get the throne. Right. And so it left the question, okay, we've had nothing but Targaryen kings throughout. At least this show's history, it seems like. So it gave me a lot of questions as to how this show is going to end either next season or season eight, wherever this show comes to an end. Who the Targaryen king will end up being? Is it going to be one of these babies? Is it going to be Daemon? Is it going to be Rhaenyra? Like, I'm super invested already. In just three episodes. And I didn't, I was worried that that wasn't going to be the case. And I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm not the world's hugest Matt Smith fan. I like him, but I, he's not like my favorite actor in the world. I'm not super familiar with everything he's done. I've seen him in stuff, you know. I've only really seen him in Doctor Who. But after seeing him in this show, I'm like, okay, this dude's a actor. Like, he is top-notch, oh, yeah, he's a great world actor. class. And I've never seen him in anything else. So I'm, his character is written so well. He performs it beautifully. And not only that, but he's a badass. He's a great warrior, as we just saw in the recent episode. And he's not just pure evil. You know, he's not Ramsey Bolton. He's not Joffrey Baratheon, where they just enjoy inflicting pain and don't even necessarily care about their parents or... Um, I, or their siblings, really. Whereas with Damon, in episode two, given the chance to kill the current heir and becoming the heir once again, he couldn't do it because it's his niece. You know, family is still important to him. Even when uh, Valerion was talking to him and Damon said, you know, Valerion's oh, spatting Cor- something. Corliss? Yes, is Corliss is saying something about the king. And Damon says, I will speak of my brother how I choose. You will not. You know, I loved that. Oh, yeah. It shows that, like, I can complain about my family because they're my family, but you cannot because you are not part of this family. Yeah. You are not royal blood, and I am. Exactly. Also putting Corliss in his place a little bit, I think. Like, you're asking me for help. Remember that. I am interested to know exactly why did Damon go without the king's help? Was it pride or 
did he just already have a plan in motion or was he just simply willing to die? And I believe the showrunners did say that he was expecting to die in that battle. I mean, bow and arrows, or arrows anyways, were falling all around him. He got hit a few times. He was probably going to die, but he just kept going. He just kept fighting, and he's a true warrior. And for whatever reason, I started getting Jon Snow vibes from Battle of the Bastards, where that scene where all the arrows follow or uh, fall directly around Jon, but none of them hit him. I just felt like, is that the Lord of Light protecting Jon, or is that just straight-up luck? And with this, once again, I mean, he did get hit like two or three times, so it's not exactly the same, but I did get some of those vibes like, okay, is this guy just super lucky, just willing to risk it all, and he's just that crazy? Or is he like a chosen one? Is he this era's Azora High, maybe? Just a theory. Um, I would say personally just that he at this point was willing to do anything to win, even if it meant dying because of pride. I would say it was pride that he did not want the king's help because he wanted to show that he can do it without the crown. I don't buy into that theory, by the way. I'm just spitballing. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's a theory I'm going to hold on to. I'm going to hold out hope that maybe they will bring the Lord of Light. Because I loved that whole arc with Stannis and the Red Woman and later John. I loved all that. So I hope that that finds its way back into House of the Dragon. After all, Damon is a prince. Also really liked that guy from the Brotherhood. I don't remember his name, but the guy who died like six times and said that every time he died, he came back and a little bit of him was left behind. Right, and they thought he was also the prince who was promised, but Damon is actually a prince, so who knows? Maybe yeah, we'll see maybe. that in the future. Maybe we'll in see. like season six when they run out of ideas, so they just start rehashing old ones or something, you know? Oh, let's hope they don't do that. That would be sad. <laughs> but those are just our opinions. What did you guys think about episode three? Is the show working out for you? Is it not working out for you? Did you bail a long time ago? Or is the uh, or is the show, like for me, everything you were hoping it would be? Whatever you think, let us know in the comments below. And make sure to get along, friends. Thank you so much for being here. We truly appreciate your support. And until next time, have a great day.